We meet today in 1st Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 13. The coming of Christ is a purifying hope. The great theme of 1st Thessalonians is the rapture of the church. The great theme of 2nd Thessalonians is the revelation of Christ. That is, he is coming to the earth to establish his kingdom. Now the theme of First Thessalonians chapter 3 is that the coming of Christ is a purifying hope. It will change your life, it will affect your lifestyle if you hold to the hope of the rapture of the church. That is the imminent coming of Christ for his church. If that doesn't affect your life, you don't really believe it, my friend. It is just sort of a theory or a philosophy with you. The theme becomes the very heart of the epistle, and we will be dealing with it from chapter 3 all the way to chapter 4, uh, verse 12. Now, Timothy brings a good report of the Thessalonians. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone. First Thessalonians 3, verse 1. Paul here longs to return to the Thessalonians, but remains back at Athens alone so that he would send Timothy and perhaps Silas, Dr. Luke, and others to the believers at Thessalonica. Therefore, is a word that is very important, and Paul begins with that very word, therefore, when we could no longer endure it. So this word ties this chapter back in with what Paul had talked about in the previous chapter, the family relationship that exists in the church. He had been a mother to the church, a father to them, and a brother. He had led them to the Lord and loved them. He said that they would be his glory and his joy at the coming of Christ Jesus, at the appearance of the Lord Jesus when all believers will receive their rewards. Now, because Paul had a real affection for the Thessalonians, he was frustrated in not being able to return to them. He had been hindered by Satan. Paul had to leave Thessalonica so quickly that there were many unfinished teachings and doctrines that he had not been able to develop fully he not only longed to return, but he wondered about the future of the believers there. So his desire to comfort them is evident. In other words, he was demonstrating the thing he mentioned at the beginning of the letter. A labor of love. A labor of love. Love is not affection or just a nice, comfortable, warm feeling around your heart. Love seeks the welfare of another. That is the way love is expressed for anyone. If you love someone, you seek his or her welfare, and you actually jeopardize your own life for the, for the person whom you love. And we actually see Paul doing the same here. What does he say? Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone. Again, he still anticipates an opportunity for him to be able to go. Meanwhile, he remains in Athens. 
And what will he do? He will send Timothy. First Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 2 tells us, And send Timothy our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. You see here, because of his concern, Paul sent Timothy back to the Thessalonians. And here he calls Timothy our brother and minister of God. The word for minister is the Greek word diakonos, from which we get the English word deacon. He was a servant. It literally means a servant. But he also calls him our fellow laborer in the gospel. You see, my friend, the gospel of Christ is the sphere of service. Paul was not just someone who does what is good. He was not just a do-gooder. But he was a laborer. He was serving the Lord Jesus Christ. But interesting to see, Paul's that great apostle simply puts himself together with Timothy, whom he had led to the Lord, and he calls him a fellow laborer. A fellow laborer, a brother, a minister of God. What a humility we see. Paul says that Timothy was a servant. And that his sphere of service was the gospel of Christ. That is to be our sphere also. And when the gospel of Christ is given out, there will be a whole lot of doing good that will take place. The purpose to which he was sending Timothy to the Thessalonians was to establish you concerning your faith. To establish the same wonderful word establish was used back in the book of Exodus when Moses went up to the mountain to hold up his hands in prayer to assure Israel's victory. We actually read in Exodus 17 verse 12, it says, But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Until the going down of the sun. Now, they were steady or they stayed up. That word stayed up or supported steady is the same word where we get our word establish. Paul sent Timothy over to them to stay them up, to steady them, to hold them up, to establish them. You, still, you see, my friend, people still need the same thing today. People need to be established in their faith. They need to be established in the word of God. Having established them in their faith, he was also to comfort you concerning your faith. And the word comfort here means to encourage. So Paul sent Timothy to hold the Thessalonians up and to encourage them in their faith. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. First Thessalonians 3 verse 3. Now the Greek term here, shaken, 
appears only in the New Testament and can be understood to mean to be deceived, to fascinate, or to disturb. It conveys the idea of shake or wag as a dog's tail. Believers are to expect troubles and difficulties because they are appointed to this. The encouragement and the comfort of a fellow Christian during such trials can be an especially welcomed source of strength to one's faith. This is why Timothy is sent to bring encouragement so that they will not be shaken by the afflictions that they were going through. My friend, we know that we are going through storms today. They will be temporary storms anyway, but we cannot escape them. We are going to have trouble down here on earth. The word of God makes that very clear. And Paul wants the Thessalonians to stand for the Lord in the midst of their afflictions. There are other passages of scriptures which teach this same truth. The Lord Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 16 verse 33. My friend, God did not say I will keep tribulations or storms away from your life. Actually, storms will come. The good news is he will be with us. Isaiah chapter 43 uh, verse, verse 2. He says, even when you go through the waters, you will not be drowned. When you go through the fire, you will not be burned. Why? Because I will be with you. His sustaining presence is what makes the difference. In the world there are tribulations, but be of good cheer because the one who is with us has overcome the world. Tribulation is the trouble that all of us are going to have. There is no way round it. It has to come. Yet the Lord himself tells us to be of good cheer, even in the midst of trouble. If you are a believer, my friend, you are not going to escape trouble. To accept Christ does not mean to take out an insurance policy against suffering. No. The fact of the matter is that you will have trouble after you become a child of God. Even if you haven't had any trouble before, trouble will come now. He has never promised that we would miss the storm, but we will go through all the storms of life, and he will go with us. What he does say very clearly and dogmatically is that he will go with us through the storms and that we will reach the harbor. We will reach the place of safety. We will reach home. Any boat which he is in will not go to the bottom of the Sea of Galilee, but will reach the other side. You and I are in the process of going to the other side and we will not sink. The time to be concerned is when there is no cloud in the sky, no ripple on the sea, and everything is so smooth and nice. That should give you concern, my friend. You might even ask and question your salvation. But if you are experiencing trouble down here, if the pressures and the tensions of life are on you, then that is a sign that you are a child of God. This is the way God teaches us to rely on him. For in fact, we told you before, when we were with you, 
that we would suffer tribulations just as it happened and you know. First Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 4. Now tribulation is the same word as affliction here. This does not refer to the great tribulation. It refers to the little tribulations. We are all going to have a little trouble down here on earth. Such troubles are for the purpose of bringing us closer to God. They promote sanctification in the life of the believer. So he says, for in fact, we told you before when you were with us that you would suffer tribulations just as it happened and you know. First Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 5 tells us, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. Well, Timothy had been sent, and the reason is Paul could no longer endure. So he sent Timothy, please go and make sure that what we have done there would not be in vain, because there is the danger of the tempter. The tempter here is none other than Satan himself. In chapter 2, Paul said Satan hindered us. In other words, Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, Satan is giving me a bad time, and I fear he may be giving you a bad time also. But another purpose for the affliction is to test the genuineness of our belief. Trouble is the acid that tests the genuineness of the coin of belief. There are true believers, and there are a lot of counterfeit believers. One thing that will really reveal the genuineness of faith is the ability to endure trouble through faith in God. Now, afflictions reveal the genuine believer, and this is the occasion of Paul's rejoicing. And as they go through the affliction, Paul sends Timothy to go and encourage them so that they will not be tempted by the tempter. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love, that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. First Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 6. And apparently Paul now is reporting and he has heard the report concerning what they were doing and he is encouraged. It was wonderful when Paul got word from them. That word was a good report. They were enduring the afflictions. They were holding on to their faith. They did not give up. They were withstanding the temptations of the tempter. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. First Thessalonians 3, verse 7. You see, the church at Thessalonica became a model church because their faith was not only known in Macedonia and Achaia, but in the all-known world of that time. And here he says, in our affliction, Paul tells these believers that he has also had afflictions. The good report from them is a comfort, a big comfort. 
For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 8. We live here means that as believers we enjoy life. You know there are some people who enjoy life. Others enjoy life. And if you are enjoying life, you are really living. If here should actually really be translated since, if you stand, for now we live since you stand in the Lord. That's how to put it. Since you stand fast in the Lord, even in trouble, you can enjoy it. That's not always easy to do. This is what Paul writes. In First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and verse 13. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Now, you cannot lose a Christian, my friend. Even if you have trouble, it is going to work out for your good. You can always be sure of that. It will work for your good. Now, Paul urges the church at Thessalonica to continue growing. For what thanks can we render to God for you? For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God. First Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 9. Now joy here is associated with life and sorrow is associated with death. However, sorrow increases the capacity of the heart for joy. Paul wants the Thessalonians to know how to rejoice. Being a Christian is a wonderful thing. It teaches you how to rejoice even in your tribulations. Night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. First Thessalonians 3 verse 10 Given what Paul has already said about the satanic opposition, temptations and discouragement, now his use of the term translated perfect concerning the deficiency of the Thessalonian faith is actually appropriate. The word is used for mending torn fishing nets and of setting broken bones. Now, in the context here, Paul seems to be concerned about strengthening the church in both doctrinal and moral truth in order to equip them to supply or repair the deficiency of their faith. The remainder of the epistle will actually support this understanding. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. First Thessalonians 3 verse 11. Oh, how Paul prayed for the opportunity to return to the Thessalonians. It is also encouraging to note that God directs our way to remove the hindrances that Satan places in our way. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ 
with all his saints. First Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 12 to verse 13. Important words are given here. First is that you may and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another. Abound in love. Here abound means exceed. And love is the Greek word agape. Now in this epistle, love is seen only in action as the labor of love. It is not affection. It is not sentimental love, but an active seeking of the welfare of another. Why? So that love has a purpose. It is not an end in itself. So the purpose is that he may establish our hearts blamelessly. Our hearts are presented, established, blameless in holiness. The desired end of their love for one another is that they would develop a character of holiness. Isn't this amazing? The apostles' desire here is to see the believers at Thessalonica standing fast in holiness when the Lord returns to examine them. The Greek form uh, of the word holiness emphasizes not an act of holiness, but the state or the condition of holiness. God's will is that our lives be characterized in every area by Christ-likeness. And Christ-likeness is holiness. This includes both attitudes and actions. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ provides the incentive for holiness. And Paul's statement that all of God's people will be together at the return of Christ reflects a concern about the status of God's people at the rapture of the church. Perhaps some thought that the dead in Christ would be absent from the event. Because a question has already been raised in that vein, Paul will answer this question when he addresses it more fully in chapter 4, verse 13 to verse 18. Paul's statement is possibly a response to those who doubted there would be a resurrection and who were concerned about the Christian loved ones now dead. What will happen to them? But again, the returning of Christ, the coming back of Christ is actually a purifying hope. Anyone who has this hope of the coming back of Christ purifies himself or cleanses himself from sin so that when Christ has come, you will not be ashamed to meet the Savior. Do you have this hope? How is your life? Do you lead a pure life? And a pure life only comes because you obey the word of God and by faith you receive the forgiveness that is for everyone who asks in Christ Jesus. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. Info at twrafrica.org